sarva-bhūtāsthyamātmanam sarva-bhūtāni-chātmani iksate-yoga-yuktātmā sarvatra samadarsana. A true yogi observes me in all beings and also sees every being in me. Indeed, a self-realized person sees me, the same Supreme Lord everywhere. Omajana Trimanandasya, Janajana Salakaya, Chakshuran Militanyena, Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master has opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my most respectful obeisances unto him. So, first, does anybody recognize where we also see this <coughs> same Sanskrit term? Samadarsana. From what verse is that? Okay. And also, the characteristic of samadarsana, seeing, actual seeing equally and, and experiencing. 434. Tadvidi pranipate na pari prashne nase vaya upadakshanti te jyanam jyaninas tatva darsina tatva darsina seeing the truth samadarsina seeing equally spiritual master he has this quality this quality of seeing equally every living entity seeing whatever he sees is situated on truth these verses this evening <clears throat> are not something that is, that is foreign to us as practitioners of bhakti yoga. This, this application of yogic principle is also much in our discipline. The Lord begins here in, in explaining the, the, the path of mystic yoga practice, astanga yoga. He, he's explaining the the characteristics, and he has begun earlier in the chapter, and he's continuing through these verses to explain the actual characteristics of one as they advance through the process of astanga yoga, of controlling the mind by yoga practice. Uh, this evening, the verses actually, Krishna is explaining that final position of someone who has come to the topmost platform of that's available and reached by the yoga process. In the verse we begin with tonight, in, that, in the stage of perfection called trance, or samadhi, one's mind is completely restrained from material <clears throat> mental activities by practice of yoga. This perfection is characterized by one's ability to see the self <clears throat> by the pure mind and to relish and rejoice in the self in that joyous state, one is situated in boundless transcendental happiness, realized through transcendental senses. So similarly, the bhakti yogi, that's, that's the platform that's reached. The process is reached without the mechanics of the astanga yoga application. Now in astanga yoga, there, there is a mechanics wherein one controls the material body through various uh, hatha yoga exercises, 
Uh, one controls uh, the breathing, as Krishna explained earlier in this chapter, controlling the breathing incoming and outgoing. One basically withdraws all of the senses from their sense objects through this practice of yoga, the Stanga Yoga. And when he has perfected this practice, he comes to the platform of Samadhi, where he can actually experience his true self through transcendental senses. Now the transcendental senses are there. We all have transcendental senses, but they are now covered over by the modes of material nature. So the practice of yoga is the practice whereby we can revive our spiritual senses by giving up false engagements, the false engagement of the senses in sense gratification. So this practice is also there in bhakti, but it's attained through a different means. So our means, especially in this age, when practice of yoga is very difficult, practically impossible, very few people can, can withdraw themselves from their life, from, from what they consider their life. Very few people are going to go off uh, to the uh, forest and uh, set down a deer skin so that they're not bitten by serpents <laughs> and, and not care about eating or sleeping and simply engage in controlling the body, keeping the, keeping the body in a straight line and controlling the breath perfectly. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible for us. We have lives. We have things we are accustomed to doing. When we think of self-realization, and there is that practice of just simply running off to the forest, and we read it throughout Bhagavatam, Dhruva Maharaj, Haranyakasipu, king of the demons, what did he do? He ran off to the forest to get his yogic powers. So throughout, we see. Now, Krishna, in Bhagavad Gita, he's going to introduce us to that perfect arrangement in life and in works, that perfect sanatan dharma, wherein at the end of life we should all practice running off to the forest. It's called vanaprasta, vana, forest. Vana means forest, so vanaprasta means one runs off to the forest. So similarly, that is the proper proper position of sanatan dharma also incorporates completely withdrawing ourselves from the material engagements of our life. And at the end of life, well, Prabhupada says 50 years old, one should actually retire from family life. And one should actually go to the forest or go to the holy places. And one should practice some austerity, give up all material engagement, elevate oneself uh, actually so that one can accept the completely renounced order of life, sannyas. So brahmachari, gridhastra, vanaprasta, and sannyas. These are natural sequences that one should follow. That in and of of itself is very difficult for us. (laughs) (laughs) Simply to follow that program. Not many people retire at the age of 50 and go off to the forest. But the practices there of also in bhakti yoga of 
bringing the mind and the senses under control, but not through this mechanical means uh, that's being presented here uh, by Lord Krishna in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Rather, we practice controlling the mind and senses by following the direction of the pure devotee. Primarily in this age, the dharma, the method of self-purification, is Harinam Sankirtan, is inaugurated by Lord Chaitanya. So we control the mind and senses, but our control is concentrating on Krishna's holy name. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And when the mind deviates, when the mind wants to go off, when we're trying to have darshan with Krishna through his holy name, when we're trying to see Krishna in his holy name, when we're trying to purify ourselves, or at least let Krishna do the purification. Sheto Darpana Marjana. Actually, the purification is done by the holy name. That cleanses the mirror of the, of, of the heart, of the mind, and allows us to see Krishna purely. Krishna is doing the cleaning. All we have to do <coughs> is allow him to do his work. And that requires that we are present with him, that we're actually engaged with him. So when we chant his holy name, we want to concentrate on the holy name. And by that concentration, by, by fixing our mind on Krishna's name, he can purify the mind. He can cleanse the mirror of the mind. But if when we're trying to allow Krishna to purify our mind, we keep throwing more dirt on by thinking of this and that and going here and there and making our plans for enjoyment or our plans for life. At least during the period when we are trying to communicate with Krishna and take full advantage of the mercy of his holy name, let us concentrate during that time. The spiritual master, he gives some prescription for some fixed number of rounds. And every day we chant those rounds. We have communion with Krishna we give up our mundane thoughts. We withdraw the senses. We don't let them engage. And we fix those senses on the holy name. And then the, the mind can be cleansed. And we come together in kirtan, in the assembly of devotees. We concentrate on the holy name. We hear, we listen. We don't let the mind wander. And that is the but that is the bhakti yogi's practice that accomplishes the same result as that of the great yogis in past ages who could perfectly practice this eightfold system of astanga yoga and come to the platform of samadhi. The result of the Vaishnavas, the bhakti yogi's practice, and the Astangi Yogi's practice are the same when it comes to control of the mind and the senses and attainment of the stage of Samadhi, as spoken of in these, in these verses. The result is the same. What's the result? The perfection, this perfection is characterized by one's ability to see the self by the pure mind 
and to relish and rejoice in the self. In that joyous state, one is situated in boundless transcendental happiness, realized through transcendental senses. Now what is that verse? Atashi Krishna Namadi Nabaved Braham Indriya Sevan That we cannot perceive Krishna with our material senses. With our material eyes, our material ears, with our material tongue, there's not going to be a perception of the Supreme Lord. We can perceive <coughs> the Supreme when we have purified our senses. When we when we situated ourselves on the transcendental platform. Mm. And when we're there, as, Chris, as explained in this verse, one is situated in trans, boundless transcendental happiness realized through transcendental senses. The transcendental senses are there as soon as we purify the mirror of the mind through the process of bhakti yogi, bhakti yoga, then... We will, able, we will be able to actually experience our true spiritual self. Once you reach that level of steadiness, Krishna says here, you truly do not need to worry about falling down. Now what does that mean? Now, once you get to that platform of boundless transcendental happiness, why don't you need to worry about falling down? Who's going to want to leave, right? What's that verse? What's the verse? Uh, 259. Our senses are going to disturb us until we've actually come to the transcendental platform. Yeah, Visaya. We're going to be disturbed by Visaya. Visaya vinivartante. Ni raha rasya dehina rasavar jam rasopyasya param dristva nivartate. The embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment. So restriction is there. Even when we're chanting, the bhakti yogi, he's also restraining. The mind is going off and he's pulling back. Oh no. Listen to the holy name. Hari, Krishna, Hari. Hearing every syllable. Hari, Rama, Hari, Rama. Concentrating fully. Or... The pranayan, the, the astangi yogi, he's concentrating fully on super soul in the heart. He's controlled the breathing. He's not eating. He's not sleeping. He's not seeing. The eyes are half open. He's sitting erect. The senses are restrained. Until we come to that platform, what is it? Embodied soul may be restrained artificially by sense gratification. We may, be, we may do some restraint from sense enjoyment Though the taste is still there. But, but ceasing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, he is fixed in consciousness. The higher taste has to be obtained. Now that higher taste for the bhakti yogi, that higher taste comes at the platform of nista. That is when it begins. What does that mean? Nista comes after anartha nivritti. Anartha nivritti, nista, nista, firm faith. The faith has become so strong that I know this Krishna consciousness will work for me. I'm convinced of it. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that if I chant Hare Krishna in this life or in a hundred life or in ten million lives, at some stage Krishna will take notice and my life will become perfect. So when, what's the difference? As long as I'm practicing Krishna consciousness, I'm already on the transcendental platform. I may not realize it because I'm still conditioned by the modes of material nature. Maybe I've not yet come to the platform of firm faith and steadiness. But I recognize that this practice, this, this, is, this is all that I need to reach perfection. So that boundless transcendental joy comes after a Nartha Nivriti, when all the bad habits have been cleansed from the mirror of the mind, from the mirror of the heart. Sheto Darpa Namar Janam. So all, the, all those unwanted habits, those, those unwanted uh, impressions that there is something in this world that will make us happy. Because it's just an impression. This is samskara. On, on our consciousness, we're thinking this nonsense of material involvement, this will make me happy. So these impressions are, are there. They're, they're there. The mind has, has taken and latched onto these since time immemorial. Unlimited, countless transmigrations from one species to another, so many impressions of sense gratification are there. But every time, when we have the intelligence of the human form of life, we can see that these impressions, although they're there, although the senses are grasping or trying or pulling, are pulling in so many directions to try to seek enjoyment, even though that's going on, we recognize the fact that in, in truly... These things are never going to make me happy. They're temporary. I can have the best job. I can have the best family life. I can have the most opulence. I can be beautiful, famous. I can be really... I can be so many things in this world. But I can be a great renunciate. That's also a form of sense gratification sometimes. Oh, look at me. I'm a great yogi. Everybody should worship and bow down to me. So that pratista, that's also a, a, a difficult thing to give up. Profit, adoration, and distinction, the characteristics of a subtle sex life. There's gross sex life, and there's also these subtle things that the mind is attracted to. Uh, yoga means we give up all these things. And particularly for the yogi, just as, just as in the practice of yoga, according to uh, Patanjali system, just as from that practice, there are the byproducts of, of mystic power, of cities. Similarly, in the practice of yoga, through the chanting of the holy name, there is also these same rewards offered by Krishna's external <coughs> potency. If we have learned our lessons well from the bona fide spiritual master, we'll know that, that these things, they're never going to make us happy. So therefore, it's, it's an enjoyable challenge. Oh, now, just see. All the devotees there now, I, I've, I've 
I've been a devotee for some years now. People now are respecting me. Wow, I get up and I chant and the devotees come and they offer their obeisances or I'm an older man, I got gray hair, so therefore because I'm old they think I'm smart and they worship me. Wow, maybe I'm maybe I'm advanced in this devotional service. Maybe, maybe, you know, and uh, wow. These things also are offered. They're offered to the devotee. Um, not offered in the beginning. In the beginning, Krishna protects. Sometimes in the beginning, Krishna smashes everything that we have, rips everything away. He'll take a devotee and he'll destroy their family, destroy all their wealth. Uh, Narada Muni, he was he learned about he learned about the practice of bhakti yogi by serving bhakti yoga by serving some uh, some great sages with his mother, and after he'd begin right after he'd begun the practice, he'd heard. And he realized, yes, this is something I want to. I want to advance in spiritual life. Not only had he begun to think, yes, these sages, they're directing me and this is something that is worthwhile. I am a spirit soul. As soon as he reckoned, what happened? His, his mother dies. He's a young boy. His mother dies. Now he has nothing. Absolutely nothing. He runs off to the forest and, and he looks for Krishna. He, he begins to practice uh, what was preached to him by the great sages. Great. Tremendous. He begins his yoga practice and he's looking for Krishna. He's chanting. He's, he's practicing just according to the sages. And what happens? Even though he's not yet mature in his devotional practice, boom, there's Krishna right in front of him. Whoa. Wow, it's this easy. No. No. I see you're sincere in this, Krishna says. Yes, you want, you want to obtain me. So now you are seeing me. You'll never see me again in this life. Go on with your devotional service. And he disappears. I mean, what do you do then? Wow. I've seen Krishna. Or I've heard Krishna's flute. Wow. Whoa. That's really nice. And then, gone. Now, you'll not see me again. You'll not hear the flute again. You'll not, you'll not experiencing, experience that thing again. Now, perfect yourself. Cleanse the mind entirely. Give up all material desire. Come to the topmost of loving me unconditionally. You had something to add? Well, you were saying, you know, when you his mother died, I think it's sometimes... It seems like these things come into play, especially death will be on the mind or will get you really, really starting to think about who you are, who this person is, what's going on. I mean, I don't speak, like, I wasn't involved. I had not been coming to the temple too long when my own father passed away. And it definitely drove, like, uh, it didn't stick around forever, but it definitely drove a, a bit of seriousness into myself about, you know, your own mortality, things like that, or, you know, what's happening in the soul. I mean, I think that in times of tragedy, people become more seriously spiritually inclined. That's what Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also a test. Yes. Is this really what you want? If not, I could put your material life back together for you and you can go on. I get a little dangerous though when you start talking about tests and you know like 
you know, these things have happened and it's like I'm being tested or, I mean, you know, where's the point where it's just a, you know, karmic result and, you know, and then a purposeful test? Whichever it is. Yeah. It's arranged by Krishna. Right. So, Krishna's looking out for everybody. The devotee recognizes Krishna in everything that he experiences, and the non-devotee doesn't see Krishna. Krishna consciousness means we see everything in relationship to Krishna. For the devotee, everything that happens in his life, he knows is being arranged by the Supreme Lord. Either directly or through the agency of his external energy. But ultimately, nothing's happening. Not a blade of grass moves without Krishna's sanction. I mean, it does seem... I mean, there's just... You know, how, when how do you distinguish? Well, not that it's even important to distinguish, but, you know, when people... people I've heard a lot of devotees say, you know, they talk a lot about this is Krishna's test, you know, or Krishna's testing me, or Krishna did this or that, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, well, how do you know it's not just a result? I mean, yes, it's an arrangement, but how do you know it's not just a result of your own actions? Well, lots of times the devotee knows himself, and Krishna will give you tests, but if, you, but if you're on the sixth grade level, Krishna's not going to give you a twelfth grade test. You know, right. he's not going to give you something that you can't accomplish, or you, you don't, you're not going to know the answer to, or you're not going to be able to perform. Mm. So, I mean, these tests are, uh, I think it's just, sometimes they're called tests, but there's natural instances they come across in our devotional services, there's these, these challenges of what do you do, you know, what decisions do you make the right decision to progress further in your, your sadhana and your Krishna consciousness, because those things are normally called tests, and they're a natural progression, you know, but you're not going to be tested beyond your ability to meet, you're not going to be set up to fail, you know, Krishna, you know, wants everybody to be successful. Right, I understand that. I, I guess I'm just I'm just a little confused because a lot of people will say, you know, when some adversity strikes in their life, you know, this is a test. Well, everything is a test in a sense. You know, I understand that, but it's like, you know, this is Krishna's doing to challenge, you know, I don't know. Is it a question of a test or arrangement? Are they saying that it's right. of arrangement? Right. Because everything is his arrangement. Right. You know. But but they call for a decision, though. They call it a test. That means that something happens in your life, and you have to react a certain way. You have to answer the question. Test means you have to answer the question. How you react is really what what is kind of like a test. I mean, it it might be karma, whatever causes the action to present itself, but your reaction to the the situation is what sometimes what they call a test. How you react to. You know, how somebody treats you, you know, how, whatever the condition might be. Those are called tests. I think the other thing that you're touching upon, which is sometimes, sometimes we, you know, in our immaturity, we would, we would think that, uh, Krishna is punishing his devotee, putting his feet to the fire, so to speak. And, one would one would think, well, what kind of God is that? That would that I've I'm taken to this Krishna consciousness, and wow, now I, now all of a sudden this big challenge is there in my life, a, a big catastrophe, or or even a big uh, uh, 
uh, benediction. Yes. So, I mean, I know one devotee, and uh, very, very nice devotee, very dedicated, and he was determined, completely determined, uh, to to take to the renounced order of life, to accept sannyas. So the test can come both ways, because he was almost there. You know, he'd waited so many years and, and almost been approved and everything, and all of a sudden, his mother passes. Well, she has millions upon millions of dollars, which he inherits. He got a great benediction. The benediction was so great that he thought, well, maybe Sanyas can wait. I need, I need to manage this money. And if he's thinking for Krishna, I don't know what his thoughts are. I'm not one. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying it comes both ways. Right. It comes both ways. Yeah. That's pretty dramatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to get you know multi million dollars, and it's like, wait a minute. I'm a sannyasi. I'm not allowed to have any money. If I'm truly going to be a sannyasi, there's no money in the picture. I have to renounce everything and, and, and use everything in Krishna's service. Well, maybe, maybe he wanted to manage to use it in Krishna's service. I said, I'm not here to judge. Well, I mean, there's so many ways to look at it. Maybe he wasn't actually quite ready to, you know. Whatever. And maybe yeah. he'll be, a, you know, better sannyasi after he goes through... Maybe, yes. It's not our point. Not for us to judge how Krishna's dealing with his devotees. But another very important lesson from Srimad Bhagavatam to remember in this regard is throughout Bhagavad Gita, practically as much as Arjuna, if not more, Krishna constantly refers to Arjuna as the son of Krita. Krita is so dear to Lord Krishna. Krita is Kunti, <coughs> Arjuna's mother. And there's a section of, of Srimad Bhagavatam dedicated, if you know the life of Kunti, very tra- a tragedy. I mean, at every stage. She's a young, she's a young wife. First of all, her husband can't give her a child. She has to pray and she gets a benediction and, and she can have children, uh, have the ch- bear the children of, of the demigods. <laughs> so her husband can't give her a child. Then her husband dies at a young age. And she's co-wife. The, proper, the, the affection between husband and wife at that period in time was so great that... The woman, when the husband would die, would voluntarily walk into the fire of his cremation. She could not stand to live without it. Well, there were two wives and there were five children, the Pandavas. The arrangement was made that only one wife could go with the husband, could enter into the fire. Kuti said, I will stay back and let her co-wife leave with the husband. So she's left to raise these children. And, of course, we know the whole intrigue leading up to this discourse of Bhagavad Gita on the battlefield of Kurukshetra is the intrigue of the sons of Pandu not being given their kingdom. Well, the sons of Pandu, Kunti was Pandu's wife. 
and Kunti raised the children and there was adversity in the kingdom and they, Dhritarashtra and his uh, you know, son Duryodhan, they, they basically stole the kingdom and tried to kill the Pandavas time and again, culminating in this final fratricidal war. After this is all settled up, And Krishna has, has intervened on their behalf. And finally, Yudhisthira, Pandu's son through Kunti, uh, actually the son of, of Yamaraj, a demigod, <laughs> uh, is installed on, the, installed on the throne. And Krishna is now leaving. He's going back. Everything's settled up and he's leaving. And Kunti's there and she's saying... Every time we've been in distress, you've been with us. I've felt you with us. I've been, I've been with you due to my fervent prayers and due to my Krishna consciousness, my level of Krishna consciousness throughout all the ordeals that I've gone through has been at the highest level. And now everything has been resolved. And the ordeals are going to stop. And I'm going to lose my Krishna consciousness. Please, can you keep me into the fire of the ordeals? Please, I don't want to take a chance of losing, constantly remembering and depending on you at every moment. That's the mentality of Krishna's pure unalloyed devotees. Please, she says, bring on Bring it on again and again and again because when I am in distress, I never forget you for a moment. I need that to make me fully Krishna consciousness. Fully Krishna conscious. Please arrange it throughout my life. Don't leave me. That's also there. That the devotee wants that. If it... What's the, what's the key? Well, of course we know one man's food is another man's poison. Now, one person, <laughs> give them distress again and again and again, and they're going to run off and say, I want nothing to do with you again and again and again. Uh, no more of this Krishna consciousness for me. That's one person. And Krishna knows how to reciprocate with everyone perfectly. And another devotee, please put me in distress again and again and again. We need to accept what's going to help us advance in spiritual life and we need to reject what is going to be a hindrance. So if being in distress is a hindrance, best you not pray for it. If putting in you in distress makes you forget Krishna, then my recommendation, don't pray to be in distress. If putting, being put in distress makes you constantly think of Krishna, <clears throat> hey, bring it on. Because that Krishna... Thinking of Krishna, absorbing the mind in Krishna, where does that place us? What's Krishna's instruction here? Boundless transcendental pleasure. Experienced through transcendental senses. That makes sense? Is that okay? We'll read a little bit more. Next verse, 24, Krishna speaks of being determined in yoga practice. And in the purport, uh, 
the story of the sparrow is given. The small sparrow lays her eggs and leaves them on the, on the beach. And then the huge ocean comes and swallows them up. And the sparrow goes and prays, please give me my children back. You've taken my children. The ocean doesn't pay any heed. <coughs> and all right. So what what choice? What choice? So I guess I'm going to have to empty the ocean so I can find my eggs. And the sparrow begins the task. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, luckily Garuda, who is, you know, the king of the our fair uh, feathered friends <laughs> uh, saw the determination and, and personally came and then the ocean listened. Oh, okay. If you're going to take up the task, I don't want to mess with you. Yeah. So similarly, that Prabhupada speaks in the purport, that also is, is, is a prerequisite of, of our truly advancing in spiritual life. We have to be determined to do whatever it takes to purify ourselves. And we're so, so extremely fortunate that for us, uh, it simply means that we take to the process of chanting uh, Krishna's name in all sincerity with all attention so the mind doesn't drag us off to something else. And, uh, and we will become purified. So, but that much determination is going to be required. We're going to have to be, de- as, we're going to have to be determined to follow the instruction of the spiritual master. To, to take up this process of Krishna consciousness under his direction and to, uh, and to fully dedicate ourselves in this lifetime to the holy name. Or this many lifetimes. I don't care. Birth after birth. That's all right too. But I'm still dedicated fully to this chanting process. And once we take up that determination, then we will see that there is a host of angels that will come to our aid. Once we take up the determination, Krishna will send all the great devotees to assist us. We will have the association of those that have already become perfect in the practice of Krishna consciousness. And uh, by taking up that association and uh, fully uh, involving ourselves in chanting uh, in their pure association, then we'll truly begin to relish uh, an advance in spiritual life. Uh, The next verse, Krishna speaks a little bit to the fact that it's not going to happen overnight. Yes? Gradually, step by step. But we need to make sure as we practice devotional service that we see that we're making the steps. We need to see that we're progress- progressing. Bhaktivinod Thakur speaks to the fact that from a codicy to a codicy, we should be able to see how much we have advanced in our chanting of the holy name in our practice of devotional service. So in that period, 15 days, 
we should see I've made some additional progress. I'm chanting a little bit more attentively. Not a lot more, a little teeny bit. I'm able to, to concentrate for three or four mantras, not just one. <laughs> or one whole round, I can hear. And I don't let the mind wander. One whole round out of 16. Or two. Or now I'm chanting 18 rounds. Or 20. Throughout our life, we're making progress. We're increasing our involvement in the holy name. And in that way, sense gratification will naturally fall away. Parandristvanavartante, a higher taste will come. The more we try with determination to make a little progress day to day, akadasi to akadasi, the more we do that, then naturally that higher taste will develop. That little bit of effort to increase just a little bit will give us a little bit more taste to do everything that we're already doing. That is the process of devotional service. So we need to make sure that step by step we're advancing in our devotional life. And primarily that's accomplished by Harinam Sankirtan, by chanting. That's Harinam, 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 Eva Kevala, Kaluna, Stieva, 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 Gachyadamira. There's no other way. This is the Dharma of this age. This is our yoga practice as given to us by Sri Chaitanya coming into simplic succession through the spiritual master. This is the program. Harinama. Getting completely absorbed in the holy name. So increase the absorption step by step throughout our life. Then at the end of life, there'll be no other thought. But Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. At the end of life, there'll be nothing in our mind. We will be in the state of samadhi Krishna speaks to here. And therefore, there will not be another. We will not be dragged back into another body to try to enjoy sense gratification. Um. 26, we've already touched upon, the mind wanders away and we pull it back. It wanders away, we pull it back. It goes off and we try to concentrate a little bit more. Hare Krishna. We pray to the holy name to allow us to hear the holy name. We pray to Krishna, take away, Hari, take away the obstacles. Take away these thoughts that are taking me away from hearing perfectly every syllable. Then the reward, Krishna speaks to the reward in the 27th verse. The yogi whose mind is fixed on me verily attains the highest perfection of transcendental happiness. The benediction is there. You fix the mind on the holy name. You fix your consciousness on me and you will reach the highest platform of transcendental happiness. I guarantee it. Just go for it. You do this and everything you think that everything that you can imagine in this world as being satisfied satisfying to you will become completely worthless to you. 
You won't want the money, the job, the beautiful women, the beautiful men, the beautiful followers. All that will become insignificance in, the in comparison to the sweetness of Krishna's name, chanted purely. And then Krishna speaks to what we just mentioned. Verse 28. Become free from all material contamination. The heart will become completely cleansed. Sheto Darpana Marjana. All the dust will be gone. And then on that pure heart, you will see Krishna at every moment. And Krishna then speaks to that sight. And that's the verse we chanted tonight. That vision. That vision. Seeing Krishna in everything. Everywhere. And at the end of Lord Chaitanya's life, Lord Chaitanya was showing what is the perfectional stage of this chanting of Hare Krishna. He's running. Here to there, he sees a glimpse of Krishna. And he's completely overwhelmed with transcendental ecstasy. Completely losing consciousness. Exhibiting all the symptoms of ecstasy. Falling on the ground. Limbs becoming slackened. The highest transcendental ecstasy available. He's showing by his own example. When we come to that platform of complete absorption in Krishna consciousness, complete absorption in the holy name, then that ecstasy takes over our life. That's the perfection of this, of this process of Krishna consciousness, is to reach that level of transcendental madness. And his transcendental madness was the madness of the experience by the gopis when Krishna left them. During that full moon night of the Rasadas. They went mad. Where has he gone? They started talking to the trees and to the rocks and to the plants and to the creepers and to the flowers. Where is he? Have you seen him? My, I can see that, that your branches are overburdened with fruit. You are bowing down in a basin. Did he just pass? That kind of consciousness. In the last verse, for one who sees me everywhere and sees everything in me, I'm never lost. And he's never lost to me. A reciprocation. When we come to that level, then Krishna is there. You're never lost to me. There's never a time that I, as you are looking for me, that I am also looking for you. As you are loving me purely, I am loving back just as much. Any questions? Um, um, when you chant... Uh, um, is it better to focus on the hearing of it or to focus on both the hearing and the thought of Krishna and like Krishna within your heart and all, all that or like that in the beginning or just or we just chant with as clear as pronunciation as we can mm -hmm and just concentrating on the sound vibration. And if the mind must think of something, 
then we try to, in the beginning stages, we try to chant uh, with the consciousness of a small child crying out for its mother. So, or as a as a wife whose whose husband is abroad, with full concentration, or as a as a small uh, calf who who wants to be suckled by its mother. So the sentiment is is there, but the the mind should be just hearing the vibration in that sentiment. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.